we're ready to start. Thanks for just chatting. Uh, I wonder where you were when you first realised that you were a perfectionist. Uh, for me, it was at Castle Building at Sydney Uni. Uh, it was my first year at uni, my first semester, and about halfway through the semester, I had gotten an assignment back. I looked at my marks, I had passed. It felt like I had failed. I felt like a failure. Um, no one had ever told me that university, in terms of marking criteria, is completely too different to uni, different to a high school. And so I looked at my marks and like tears just started rolling down my eyes. I was so sad. This is one of the many times in my life when I realized that I am a perfectionist. But what is perfectionism? I think perfectionism, a helpful way to kind of say it, is not just you have perfectionism or you don't, but perfectionism is more of a spectrum. So you could be on the extreme end, you could be on the moderate, or you can have perfectionism mildly. Um, so I think it's a range of things. And I think for some of us, there are different scenarios or different circumstances where perfectionism tendencies just come out a little bit more. So what is perfectionism? Uh, perfectionism is an impossible standard, a high and impossible standard. And for some of us, it's actually really hard for us to even articulate what that standard is. Um, it might be hard for you to work out what is it that my high standard is. And this standard actually also um, impact our self-worth and our self-value and our acceptance of ourselves as well. So it's not just a high standard, but also self-worth. Did you know that there's actually three different types of perfectionism? So the first type is self-oriented perfectionism. So it's actually a high and impossible standard that you have for yourself. The second type is the other-oriented perfectionism. So it's the opposite of the first type. It's a high and impossible standard that you have for other people. So as you can imagine, it might affect your relationship with other people, whether you're actually willing to delegate a task to someone else. You know, will they actually do it to your standard? The third type is, self, is socially prescribed perfectionism. This is different to the first and second type because it's not internally oriented, but it's actually external. So it's the society having um, an expectation, a high and impossible standard for you. It might be, say, your parents, it might be your teachers, it might be just society at large. You feel like they have a high and impossible standard for you. This one, the socially prescribed perfectionism out of the three is the one that has been increasing and on the rise. All three types of perfectionism have been increasing, but particularly the last one was the one that's been rising the most. There's a big study about 40,000 young adults at university that they've done and they looked at the data between 1989 to 2016. And they realized among the university students, these young adults in three different countries, UK, US, and Canada, that perfectionism has actually been increasing. It went from 9% to 16%. So roughly about one in five of us might have perfectionism. And they predict that in 2050, which is still a while away, it's gonna be one in three. So there's going to be lots and lots of perfectionists. So why is it that perfectionism has actually been increasing and on the rise? 
the researcher, the social psychologist, Thomas Curran, he said that these are the number of different things that might be causing perfectionism to be on the rise. Firstly, he thinks that there's a greater competition at school. Schools uh, like high school and university is becoming more and more competitive. Secondly, he thinks that uh, parenting styles have changed. So some people have reported that their parents are more critical of them or the parents actually have a higher standard for them. Thirdly, it could be less stable workplaces. So work is becoming less stable. There's more like likelihood of getting sacked or, you know, so that actually causes people to feel the need to be more perfect. Fourthly, it could be social media. There's like high and unrealistic ideals that people put out. And fifthly, it could be dissatisfaction. So people just feel discontent and unsatisfied because I guess there's me the mass media and social media feeling like putting pressure on us to say, if we're unhappy, then we're likely to be buying more stuff. I think perfectionism is a paradox. There are really good things about perfectionism. I know when I started talking to different people, they, they love perfectionists. Um, who wouldn't want a perfectionist in their, small, you know, their group work? Um, perfectionists are diligent. They are meticulous. They do excellent work. Um, perfectionism, there's lots of really great things about it. But at the same time, as there's lots of good qualities and excellence, there are actually paradoxes, things that are really kind of unhelpful. So I wanted to share with you two particular paradoxes about perfectionism today. The first one is about perfectionism and productivity. Um, so what would you expect in terms of perfectionism and productivity? You would expect maybe that perfectionists might be more productive. It, actually, they found that perfectionism might be less productive, that there's a lower productivity. Uh, the three reasons is, one, there's a risk of burnout. Uh, perfectionists tend to overwork. You might tend to have tendency to keep working, working, working and not rest and therefore you're more likely to burn out and so less productive. The second reason might be that you might withheld effort. If, you come, if you're a perfectionist and you come across a really challenging task, um, you might, instead of working harder, withhold effort. So for me at the gym, the instructor writes out a workout for me. This is the workout they write out and then I will look at the workout and I think to myself, am I going to get this done in 50 minutes? If I don't think I'm going to get it done in 50 minutes, I can't complete the workout, subconsciously I actually go slower. I work, I do the exercise a bit slower. If you're not a perfectionist and you see the sign and you're like, oh, I'm not going to make it in 50 minutes, you actually work harder. But for perfectionists, we have a tendency, if the task is too hard and too challenging, we just kind of withheld effort. Because if you don't try, then you won't fail. The third thing that can impact productivity for perfectionists, uh, as we kind of talked about already, is procrastination. Procrastination affects all of us, it's not just perfectionists. But for us who are perfectionists, Productivity is a big production. Sorry, procrastination is a big thing that can really impact us and the productivity. A second paradox that I want to share 
is about perf perfectionism and work. So there's an American organizational psychologist, her name is Dana Harari, she did a research paper. She saw that um, at uni, perfectionists tend to be um, higher performance. So there's higher performance when you're at uni if you're a perfectionist, but she found that in the workplace, it's actually a lower performance for perfectionists. And she's like, oh, this is kind of strange. Why is that? She said that for in some situation, um, when like perfectionism is going like well with a structure, perfectionists tend to work at a greater excellence. But in a workplace setting where there's more unknown, there's more risk, um, and less kind of approval, less feedback, uh, for perfectionists, the performance actually go down in the workplace. So that was another surprising thing. With perfectionism, it can actually affect us in a number of different things. Um, for perfectionists, there's a greater risk of anxiety, a greater risk of shame, a greater risk of burnout, a lack of self-worth, a greater risk of eating disorder and depression. For some of us here who have perfectionism, we, we struggle with it and we are hoping that it could change. But for some of us here who have perfectionism, maybe you're like, oh, look, it's not that bad. Um, it's not, you know, something that's not necessarily I need to change right now. But maybe later, later in you know, a few years time or down the track, you might realize that, yeah, this is something that is worth considering a change. Um, as you get older, actually, uh, perfectionism can get worse. It can be a bigger problem, a bigger struggle. Because as you get older, um, there are actually more risks that you might take or bigger risks or bigger projects that really matter. And so therefore, your perfectionism might actually you know, cause you greater grief. I think if we keep going down this track of perfectionism, there might be greater struggles in our future. So I think I want to say we need an alternative, a different way, a different way to see life, a different alternative rather than just perfectionism. So what is this alternative? I mentioned earlier that there was a social researcher that did social research in perfectionism. Uh, and this is this guy, Thomas Curran. Um, he said this, this is his conclusion in, after he did a study on perfectionism that all of us here, are we are human. And because we're human, we are imperfect, that we do things imperfectly. So this standard of perfectionism, of perfect for ourselves, just doesn't work. And he said that failure is actually part of life. He said, you know, you can try really hard, you can do your best, but sometimes things just don't work out and it's not your fault. What he said actually resonates a lot with um, wisdom literature that's found in the Bible. So let me just read you this verse. I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Failure is part of life. Sometimes chance and time happens. It's not your fault. Sometimes you don't win the race. You don't win the battle. 
you don't get the food, you don't get the wealth, you don't get the favour, because time and chance happens to us. You've done your best, you tried your hardest, but sometimes failure is just part of life. So perfectionism, there's a disconnect between that and the reality that we live, the life that we live now. So we need an alternative to perfectionism. Thomas Curran, another thing that he said in a different interview was that maybe, maybe faith is something that is an alternative to perfectionism. Uh, so I'm a Christian and I wanted to just pursue this a little bit with you. I want to share with you an incident. I want to share with you a particularly about a person named Mary. Mary has a sister named Martha um, and they invite Jesus over for a meal. Martha, she's busy preparing, busy doing stuff. But Mary, she just sits and gazes at Jesus and listens to him. She's just being herself. She's the complete opposite of a perfectionist. She's free from doing. She's not trying to seek someone's approval. She's not trying to appease social expectation. She's just sitting, gazing at Jesus and listening. Well, Martha, she thinks it's unfair. She's like, this is not fair. Like, I'm working really hard. So she goes to Jesus and tells him, you know, she's not even getting any approval, no validation. Jesus' responds is very gentle and compassionate. This is what he says. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but a few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Jesus says, only one, only one thing is necessary. You could be worried and fretting about lots of things, about your last assignment mark, about an upcoming exam, about a placement that you don't know where you're going yet, about the opinions of other people, what you're going to wear today or tomorrow or how you appear. You can be worried about so many things, but Jesus says, only one thing, only one thing is necessary. What is this one thing? It is a relationship with Jesus. Mary is enjoying a relationship with Jesus. She is sitting, listening, gazing at Jesus. This is what you do with a friend, with a family member, someone who you have a relationship with. You sit and you listen and you gaze. So what difference does a relationship with Jesus make? What difference does a relationship make, uh, particularly for a perfectionist? So let me just share from my own personal life. A Jesus, to me, is like a close family member and a close friend. He's both. He's someone, like we've already seen, gentle, compassionate. He loves the imperfect, and I'm one of them. He loves us unconditionally. Uh, it's not about what we do for him, 
the doing, um, his love for us is unchanging. Uh, there is so much security and safety in him. He helps us to be secure in who we are, so we don't have to fret. Um, for some of us, uh, for me personally, I know underneath my perfectionism is a worry. There's a worry of, you know, am I good enough, you know, for other people? But for Jesus, he accepts us unconditionally. We don't have to be worried. There's a security and a safety. And because I know I'm secure and safe in him, when I do make mistakes, when I do do the wrong thing, I don't have to fall apart. And in fact, I can actually tell the other person, I can actually admit that I've made a mistake or I've done the wrong thing and know that I'm going to be okay. That there is, he's not going to reject me, he's not going to you know, kick me out because I'm secure and safe in him. And not only that, but because of my, that what I have received from Jesus, which is unconditional love and forgiveness and compassion, I can actually show that to other people as well when they make the mistakes, when they don't live up to my standard. Because, you know, none of us are perfect. All of us are imperfect. And when things don't go right and when things, you know, fall apart, I resist the urge to blame other people. That is their fault. I mean, another good thing about, you know, relationship with Jesus is that I'm actually getting better at accepting compliments. That though my work may not be perfect, there are still lots of really good things about it. And so when someone compliments me, I can accept that. I have learned so many different things um, from being in a relationship with Jesus. And another one of the things is about human worth. That humans uh, have dignity and have worth, not because of what they can do, but because God has made them. That they have an inherent dignity and worth. And how good is that? I think nowhere else um, is this taught or that we can find this. Um, we found this because, or we know this because Jesus first said it, that the Bible first said it, that humans have dignity and worth. The Bible has given me a new perspective um, where career and marks are no longer at the center. So perfectionism is still a paradox. And I think the unexpected answer here is that a relationship with Jesus. A relationship with Jesus is so, so good. I want to encourage you to get to know him. It's the best thing. Um, hanging out with Jesus will change you. He is perfect, but we don't have to be. Jesus loves us when we fail. Jesus loves us even when we pass. Jesus loves us unconditionally. He is gentle. He's compassionate. He's someone who will give us security and safety and acceptance. Will you start a relationship with Jesus? Will you hang out with Jesus? Will you get to know him? It is the best thing. Right now, we're going to spend about four minutes in our groups just chatting and reflecting. And then after that, uh, there'll be a Q&A time. 
So yeah, just take four minutes to chat to the people around you, just reflecting and thinking of questions. Yeah, so the question is, if we struggle with perfectionism, what are some practical ways that we can reframe, yeah, so that we can know the truth? Is that, yeah. Um, I think all of us, yeah, like even for me, I still struggle with perfectionism. It's not like I'm cured because I, you know, trust in Jesus. Um, I think, yeah, just continuing to spend time with Jesus, I think is a really great thing. Um, I think there's like a general principle of you become who you hang out with. I think you just naturally become more like them. Uh, I think spending time with Jesus, like in his word and just seeing his character, he's not hurried. Um, I don't think he's a perfectionist. I don't think he's a perfectionist. I haven't asked him to do the quiz, but I think he is someone who is unhurried. Um, he accepts that people are human. Um, he knows what's in our hearts, but he still, yeah, like is very patient with other people. So I think one way would probably be, yeah, spending time getting to know Jesus and just hang out with him. Uh, what other practical things? Uh, I think for me, um, I have a little note on my phone, so you can create little post-it notes on your phone. I just like wrote a little reminder to myself, like things will go wrong today and that's okay. <laughs> so little things like that as well, but I think maybe other um, verses from the Bible or different things that can help remind you of the truth. Yeah, I think just daily reminders or different places. Yeah, so the question is, what's a helpful way to think about failure? Because like, you can look back at your past and there's lots of things that you have failed at or like you think you failed at and that, that kind of like drives you to work harder for the future. Um, yeah, I think that's it's a really big challenge because um, for some of us, we can ruminate a lot, um, particularly like there's like, oh, I said that thing wrong or different things can you know, pop up in our memory because of, um, it just jogs our memory. Um, I think in those moments, recognizing that your thoughts, I think is one you know, helpful thing um, and talking to someone about it, about those thoughts, like um, either maybe journaling is a helpful way. Um, if you're a Christian, maybe talking to God and praying to him and you know, just telling him that this thought is in your, on your mind, this past failure, um, and asking him to help you not to let that define you. Because uh, I think it's easy to kind of think of a past failure and just ruminate on it and let that define you. But if you're, I guess, a Christian, you have a new identity in God. Um, so he has completely forgiven you and he's not holding that against you. And I think, yeah, so, trusting in that and thinking about that might be helpful. Yeah, so the question is how do we um, serve God well in our study but not make it an idol? I think, there's a, yeah, that's a, that's a very good question because it's, I think it will look different for every single person. Um, what would it look like practically for me? I think it would probably be um, reminding myself. So it might be, for example, you know, before I study or before I do an exam, just praying and asking God to help me to put him first in this. Um, it might be 
you know, asking my friends or my family just to, you know, like who know me well, be like, hey, if you think uh, at some point I become really obsessed with my study and I put that above everything else, even like a relationship with you, hang out with you, then can you, you know, talk to me about it or let me know? I think that, you know, having your friends kind of in your family or your church family kind of like uh, speaking into your life, that's really helpful. Um, it is easy, like, well, like, because I think at uni it's easy to be wanting to work hard and I think working hard is not a bad thing but if it's at, at the center of your life and it kind of like displaces every other relationship or every other good thing then I think that is yeah the warning signs because life is more than just study. Yeah. Thanks for listening to today's talk. The Evangelical Union or EU is a student club on campus at Sydney University that seeks to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. To join us or to find out more, please visit sydneyuneeu.org.